Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities. Hi, I'm Jonna Gherkin, FY18 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse podcast series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now is Sabina Nawaz, a global CEO coach, speaker, and writer working in more than 26 countries. She spent 14 years at Microsoft, first as an engineer, and then developing their leadership development strategy. Sabina has been a speaker at SWE's Exec Leadership Program and the SWE Society Conference, and she's with us today to talk about courageous leadership. Thanks for joining us, Sabina. Thank you, Jonna. Thanks for having me. So first, can you tell us a little bit about your background and career? Sure thing. My undergraduate and graduate degrees, Jana, are in computer science, electronics, and computer systems engineering. I started my career at Microsoft in software development, working on all aspects of software development for nearly a decade, managing organizations, working my way up the ranks. And then I made a very traditional career switch. I moved from running software to working in HR. I I was responsible for all of the leadership, management, executive employee development for the company, worked closely with Bill and Steve in creating the company's succession planning process and running that and so on. Of course, the question that most people ask me is, what on earth possessed you to change from IT to HR? And the answer is a very non-intuitive one, one that I would not have predicted myself. After working in software for a long time, uh, Microsoft had awarded me an eight-week sabbatical. And unlike my typical MO, instead of packing those eight weeks filled with activities, I traveled for two weeks, started a nonprofit theater company, and then had plenty of time to sit on the couch and eat bonbons. And as happens when you sit around not doing much, your brain takes over the unconscious part of your brain. And I suddenly had this crystal clear reality that it was no longer a matter of if, but when, that I would become a corporate vice president at Microsoft. This was still probably five or 10 years out, but I knew with certainty that if I kept doing what I was doing, I would get there. This had been my career ambition and dream up to that point. However, this was also my most anticlimactic moment because suddenly I realized that If I already know the formula to get there, it would be boring to pursue it and devote the next five to 10 years of my life achieving it. So what do I do now? Since I had been so single-mindedly focused on that, that led me to think, what else do I do well? I had received a lot of positive feedback around working with people, and that's what made me make the career switch. I left Microsoft in 2005. Since then, I have my own consulting practice where I work one-on-one with CEOs and C-suite executives, do work with their teams, leadership training, working with organizations like SWE, producing keynotes, and also writing for Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Inc. I am particularly passionate about working with women because I've walked in those shoes as a woman executive. 
I know it's a lonely place. And I know that there is a lot we can do to tap into our power. If we choose to show up with the one common thread I have across many things that I've worked with people on, which is courage. Thank you for sharing that. So what is courageous leadership? (laughs) It's a great question, Jana. Oscar Wilde once said, be yourself, everyone else is taken. To me, that's at the heart of courageous leadership. It's about being courageously you. This perhaps started, had its origins for me early on in my career at Microsoft. I worked with a couple of other guys very closely and we were doing the usual chatter before a meeting started. And one of them said, oh, quick, I have to tell you guys a joke before Becky gets in. And I said, why before Becky gets in? And they said, well, because Becky's a woman and she might get offended. And I thought, and I said, well, what about me? And they said, oh, you're just one of us. And they told me the joke. Interestingly, it wasn't an offensive joke at all. So their fears were unfounded. However, I realized with a big thud that all this while, as I'd gone through graduate school and worked at Microsoft, being the only technical woman in my building, I had been working super hard to blend in and be one of the guys. But as a woman, as an immigrant, as a person with a brown colored skin, I wasn't one of them. I was me. And that's where I started to realize I had to be myself in order to bring the best of myself to my job and to achieve my goals. Now, as I work with executives on exercising courage on the way to exercising leadership, I define it as going to the gym. Courage is a muscle that grows in size, one bench press at a time. Interestingly, scientists have actually isolated a part of our, in our brain that's a courage center, the anterior subgenial anterior cingulate cortex. This lights up when we exercise courage, as opposed to another part of our brain that lights up when we succumb to fear. So the more we exercise courage, the more that region of the brain gets fortified. How do we do that? First, it's about saying no. It's saying no to small things every single day. It might be that meeting where you've attended it for a month every week going, why am I even here? I'm not adding any value. This is not necessary. So what if today is the day you you worked up your courage just in a small vial, small dose, and said, no, I don't think I should be attending this meeting anymore. Exercising courage in tiny doses every day helps you build that up. Because saying no to a hundred small things makes the way for one big thing, your dreams, your career goals, the biggest impact you can have at work, the places that you're uniquely qualified to achieve things. Saying no is daunting. For many women in particular, they hesitate to do that. And I'm here to give you some good news. Each of you is a master at saying no. You know what we say no to? We say no to our bodies when we don't work out as often as we think we should. Or we eat a little bit more than we probably should. We say no to our loved ones when we skip that dinner because we decided to work late. 
I know that's true for me from from time to time. So all you have to do is take the formula that you use to say no to the things you say are most important to you, where you defer it by time, where you say, gosh, yeah, tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow and apply that formula to the hundred small things that are not going to move the needle for you. Courage and courageous leadership is building that muscle daily by saying no to the hundred small things, which opens up the space for the big thing. And the first step to getting that big thing is to ask for what you want, whether that's the next promotion that you believe you have earned or smaller things like time on an executive calendar because you want her to mentor you. That to me, Jonna, captures courageous leadership, being courageously you. That's pretty powerful thoughts. And I hope that our listeners can take some time to think about that. Can you also share with us about obstacles? Because this isn't going to be an easy journey for most of us. So is fear the biggest obstacle to success? Fear, what is fear? Fear is something that steals our dreams. It has the power to stop us in our tracks. Absolutely, it's a big obstacle. And I've thought a lot about fear and obstacles because unless we get clear about the obstacles, we really cannot get to the path forward. The path forward is not a ton of rocket science. It's mainly getting out of our own way. And most of the things that get in our own way is between our ears, inside our heads. Where does that fear come from? As I've been thinking about it, I believe that one of the sources of fear comes from desire, a desire to be accepted, our desire to be approved of, our desire to be liked, our desire to fit in. I was listening to Oprah Winfrey's commencement speech at Harvard, and the theme of her speech was, did I do okay? And she talks about even Beyonce in all her wonderfulness giving her speech and then turning around and asking Oprah, did I do okay? We all want that validation and that strong, powerful desire. Dan Ariely, speaker and writer and researcher, talks about that the best cared for organ we have are our teeth because we brush our teeth twice a day. Not because that's good for our teeth, but because of our desire to be socially acceptable so that people don't move 10 feet away if we show up with fuzzy teeth. So that desire is a powerful motivator. And then it creates fears inside us of what will people think of me? Or perhaps I'll be found out that imposter syndrome, that sense that I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to fit. I'm not going to be approved of. I'll give you an example. Kirsten is a woman I coach and Kirsten thinks of herself as the least confident person in the room. She's constantly beating herself up when she doesn't produce results all the time. And so any small request, comment, or complaint about the business is enough for her to generate another internal lashing. She's checking her devices nonstop. She's trying to produce results all the time. She even steps out of meetings to respond to non-urgent emails. Yet Kirsten's manager thinks she's wonderful, gives her regular bonuses and raises. 
But Kirsten feels that she's spending most of her working hours working. She isn't ha- most of her waking hours working. She isn't having a lot of fun in her job and feels somewhat stuck in her career. And I'll tell you a secret. Kirsten is a CFO. She has a degree from one of the most prestigious institutions in the world. Yet fear is what's getting in her way. After working for a while together, Kirsten has learned a few techniques to move past her fear, to take those small steps and build that courage muscle. And now she has finally managed to turn off her email other than checking it twice a day and created stunning business results on a large initiative that's finally giving her joy in what she does and unlocking the next steps in her career. The other fear we have is the fear of failure. And if you've heard my TEDx talk, you know, I talk about the fact that the other barrier to success, to courage, is the fear of failure. And if you've heard my TEDx talk, you know that failure is the opportunity to expand your definition of success. When we fail in one thing, It feels sometimes like the world is coming to an end. Our dreams are getting crushed. We're going to be living in a constrained world from here on out. And instead, something else happens. Something magical happens. It opens the door when we have no way forward on that path. It opens the door for multiple other options. Sabina, in your TED Talk, How a Single Voice in Your Head Can Save Your Life, uh, you talk about Jaleel, the voice of Jaleel. You've also shared this, this with our annual conference attendees at the Senior Women's Lunch. Tell us quickly, who is Jaleel? Well, for me personally, Jaleel was somebody who was extremely influential in my early life. Jaleel lived in our building. He had no formal education. He worked at the local factory and then ran some errands for us in the morning. And in turn, my mom would give him breakfast every morning. He would sit and eat his breakfast on the same stoop where I sat and studied. And Jaleel would look up to me every morning and tell me how much he admired my hard work and the fact that I would be successful in life. He was convinced way before I was, that I was going places, I was going to be successful because I worked so hard. And whenever I've had challenging moments in my life, I've channeled Jalil's voice. But metaphorically, I encourage people to find their own Jalil's. Jalil's are voices of support, voices of encouragement. If fear is a barrier, then a positive voice is an enabler. When you heard all the stuff I said about fear, you could simply say, well, you know, stop worrying about what people think about me. But that's like fighting gravity. If we didn't, to some extent, care about what other people thought about us, we would be capable of doing horrible things because we wouldn't care about the impact on others. It is important to care about what other people think. And it's part of the human condition. It's natural for us to think about it. What, so what if we leaned into that even more? And what if the way we leaned into that is not just listening to the negative voices, to the junk mail inside our heads, generating all the voices that inhibit courageous action, 
What if instead we jumped in and listen to the Jaleel voices in our head, the positive voices, the voices that can hold the space and that are convinced that have that give us the voice when we lose our own voice, we lose our own conviction, we lose our own courage to give us the sustenance and the resilience to pick up after failure and keep moving forward. That's what I mean by Jaleel voices and cultivating the Jaleel voices. I know that sounds wonderful, and sometimes it's really hard to do. There's a tiny step. Jonna, I'm curious, when somebody pays you a compliment, what do you usually do? Say thank you. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's wonderful. You're already better than the majority of the people out there. As women, often when we get complimented on our clothing, we say, oh, but I got that on sale. Or, True. <laughs> and when we, right? And, and uh, when we get complimented on our shoes, one of our first comments is, oh, but they're so comfortable. Mm -hmm. This word, but... Or we minimize compliments. Oh, I had a lot of help, but it was the team that did most of the work. Those all might be true. And at the same time, somebody is paying you a compliment because they're noticing something. And by denying it, you're not only damaging the relationship, you're dampening that Jaleel voice. So a Jaleel voice is simply the voice of a compliment sometimes. And what if you were to... Do with a compliment what you do with critical feedback. Jonna, what do you do when somebody gives you critical feedback? Hmm. You tend to take it personally. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what are your responses to the individual? Hmm. Depends, I guess. If it was critical of something I did, I would probably get a little upset about it. Um, uh -huh. emotion, maybe emotional. Uh -huh. If it was critical of something a, my group did, I would probably be very defensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and what if it was critical in a way where they were coaching you? Hmm. Hmm. I, I hopefully I, I would hope I would think about it and take yeah. it to heart. Right. You might even ask questions of that person. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, commonly when a manager provides critical feedback, people will say, can you give me an example of it? Yep. And that's all great learning. What if we were to do that exact same behavior when we got compliments? Instead of discounting it or simply saying thank you, what if we said, tell me more? Hmm. In my case, I might say, I'm thrilled that that keynote was helpful for you. In what way was it helpful for you? What did you learn from it? And that's not to stroke my ego. That's for me to consciously understand what is landing with my audience so that I can repeatedly do that same thing better and better. And to give me a boost because people are not shy to share their criticism. So I need positive voices as well. And research shows that we need, for every one negative comment, we need five positive comments. So imagine channeling five Jaleel voices for every one voice of criticism you're carrying around in your head. Hmm. Definitely something to think about. Thank you. You're welcome. You've also been a speaker, uh, as I mentioned earlier, at our ex exec programs, uh, the Society's Executive Leadership Program. 
Would you recommend that program for senior level women in engineering? Absolutely. Now you might say I have ulterior motives because I presented there and I plan to present again coming up for the exec program in July in Singapore. But here's why it would be helpful for senior women to attend that. Because the ones who did attend it had amazing things to say about it. They use words like transformational and eye-opening and validating and connecting. They learned about themselves as leaders by taking a deep internal look at their own barometer and the stuff between their ears, as I said. They learned about working with other people and they learned about how to be strategic. One of the pieces of feedback that's quite common for senior executives, women executives I coach, is that they're not strategic. It's not that they're not strategic. It doesn't show up because sometimes they hesitate to sell their work or be transparent about the effort it took or to carve out time for doing strategic work because they're so busy saying yes to all the quote unquote corporate house cleaning that needs to be taken care of. So the exec program from the Society of Women Engineers is a great place to learn about yourself, how to lead others and how to lead strategically, and also build deep connections with other women who are walking in your shoes because we don't have enough people like us in our organizations. By getting out of our organizations, we get more of that connection to normalize what we're feeling and going through, but also learn from each other as much as you learn from the speakers at the program. Excellent. Thank you so much. And finally, what advice do you have for women engineers who want to become leaders? Well, Jana, I would say that you don't become leaders, you ex exercise leadership. And you can exercise leadership at any point, in any place, at any time. Think about history. Think about someone like Rosa Parks. Nobody had given her a position of authority. She exercised tremendous leadership and courage. It goes back for me to being courageously you, to finding that Jaleel and cultivating those Jaleel voices inside your head, to asking for what you want so that you can achieve your dreams. Those are all general threads that I've been carrying out throughout this conversation. A specific piece of advice, I would say, is don't listen to me. Listen to yourself. Guard, jealously guard white space, space where you can unplug and think and be by yourself so you can get connected to what is really going on for you. What do you really want? What do you really think? What are you really going to ask for? And go do that. Don't listen to advice from me or anybody else. You have it all inside you. You just have to listen. Sabina Nawaz is a global CEO coach, speaker, and writer. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Jana. And for all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swe.org. 